Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar. Uh, this week I have another returning guest to the pod. Brendan Moore, a staff writer for Spartans Illustrated, joins the pod again. He's been putting out some great articles kind of gearing up for football season recently. So I wanted to have him on just to kind of recap some of those things and look ahead to what's coming next um, as far as preseason football goes. Brendan, how are you? Doing good. Glad to be back on. Thanks for you know, letting me talk about some of my work I've been publishing recently. Of course. Yeah, it's been great. I've been loving it. It's been getting me more and more excited for football coming up. So, um, okay, a couple things we're going to go through. You've been putting out a couple different articles, some different topics. What I want to talk through first is your most recent article, kind of um, talking about roster updates and kind of where MSU football sits heading into fall camp. Talk me through kind of positions and what we're looking like numbers wise. Yeah, so Michigan State released their uh, preseason roster on last week. I think it was on Wednesday. Uh, there's some number changes. Most notably, I think Noah Kim is going from number 14 to number 10. So keep an eye on that quarterback, probably number 10 this year. Uh, same number as Peyton Thorne was last year, so kind of an interesting uh, switcheroo there. Uh, a couple other transfers are now listed on the roster. Uh, Terry Roberts, who's coming in at a cornerback, he played at Iowa last year, played at Miami uh, during the spring, transferred to Michigan State uh, after spring practice concluded down uh, in Miami. He's number 38 this year. I, I think he'll be on the field a little bit here and there, but I want to expect him to start, but you'll definitely see him this season, so watch out for number 38. Uh, Jalen Sammy, I like him. He's a defense alignment, six foot six, 330 pounds he's listed at. He's going to wear a big number 99, so you can't miss him. Middle of that defensive line, number 99. Uh, Alante Brown, uh, Nebraska transfer wide receiver, is going to wear number zero. Uh, same number as Charles Brantley, the corner, but obviously Brantley's playing defense. Brown will play mm -hmm. offense, so Brown will be number zero. Uh, new long snapper, Drew Wilson, he's going to be number 41. Uh, Hank Pepper is healthy, so he'll Pepper will most likely start, I expect, uh, so – Maybe not see Wilson this season, but who knows? Uh, Armorian Smith, a Cincinnati transfer safety, he's going to wear number 19. I guess another, going back to the long snapper position, because we saw all saw how important that was last year after Pepper went down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Mason Arnold is not listed on this on the Michigan State roster. Uh, he was an Ohio State transfer, originally com committed to Michigan State. Uh, I, me and uh, Ryan O'Blenis are uh, – uh, publisher and or not our publisher one of our editors and recruiting insider we kind of did some uh a deep dive and discovered on his twitter bio it doesn't say michigan state anymore it says florida state so we can only assume arnold's now at florida state uh he was at michigan state for spring but we can only assume he now transferred to florida state so he's not listed but again they got drew wilson from junior college so he will be the backup long snapper it's interesting to me, I and mean, I guess I'm sure this happens all the time, but I didn't realize that it was common for people to transfer after the spring game. I mean, maybe that's good that they do it then and are able to find something for the season, but that's two that you've talked about that I didn't realize that was such a big trend. Yeah, it's just kind of something new. I guess you see yeah. now the new age of college football, because now that they implemented the transfer portal windows, there's a transfer. there was a transfer portal window uh, this past cycle that was April 15th to April 30th. So it was kind of right after a majority mm -hmm. of the country played their spring games. Uh, so that's why you saw a lot of, uh, yeah, fair amount of movement between uh, uh, players coming to Michigan state. And of course we saw players coming going out of Michigan state. And yeah. also I wanted to touch on uh, 
forgot to mention Jonathan Kim's a kicker coming in from North Carolina. He will be, he will wear number 97. Do we know anything about kind of the kickers on the roster now? Uh, yeah. So Kim, I expect, I think he'll be the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really kick a whole lot of field goals while at North Carolina, who's mainly the kickoff guy. So I'm not hundred percent sure on what to expect from Kim. Uh, so kicker kicker positions kind of a question mark for Michigan state. It could be good. could be really good. We don't know, but it also, mm-hmm. you know, could be bad, could be average. We don't know that. Uh, and also Michigan state, they added two uh, uh, Michigan natives to the roster at the kicker position. I mean, I might butcher these names, but Tarek, I'm at basic number f- mm-hmm. will wear number 40 and Yusuf Obied will wear number 39. They're both freshmen. They're both preferred walk-ons. So they're now listed on the roster as well. And yeah, Ohio but- state, uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, you're good, you're good. Ohio state transfer punter, punter, Michael O'Shaughnessy will wear number 42. So he joined the team as well. I think I covered all the bases there. Yeah, you did. Definitely. And quite the question mark at the kicker punter position right now. And something I hadn't considered going into preseason. So good that we talked about it. Um, I'll be interested to know more about Jonathan Kim as the season goes on. Since you said he hadn't done very many, um, field goals when during his time at North Carolina. So that will be interesting to see anything else about the roster. Uh, I'm actually trying to pull up Kim's stats at North Carolina. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for one in field goals. I mean, so one <laughs> attempted field goal, three out of yeah. three in extra points. So it's a big question mark at the kicker position. Yeah. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great rundown. Um, and all of these articles that Brendan and I talked through will be listed in the description so you can check them out and I'll put them in order, you know, so you can, you can maybe pull them up as we go through. And if you're not subscribed to Spartans Illustrated, I would definitely recommend to see more work that we're putting out for preseason football. Okay, moving on. So this is a little bit of a different article that you put out, and I really liked it just to kind of talk about something different as we're talking about preseason. So as we all know, MSU, um, or the state of Michigan, I guess, um, put through that alcohol sales are allowed at college sporting events now. Um, it's kind of been maybe a little bit of old news at this point now, but you put out an article where you kind of highlighted some specific points about what that brings to football and kind of athletics at MSU in general. And I liked how you kind of put it into three categories. So can you talk through your points of, of that article? Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of just reiterating some points that David Harnes made in his article. He took a little bit of a deeper dive into that. I kind of highlighted just some things to know. And my number one thing to know was there's still hoops to jump through before this gets passed and before you see alcohol being served at Spartan Stadium this fall. So, uh, for example, there's still an MSU university ordinance that prohibits the consumption and possession of alcoholic beverage during all intercollegiate athletic contests and during entertainment programs that are open to the general public in all athletic facilities. So what that means is that they need to get that flipped. Basically, they need to repeal that ordinance in order for this to happen, right? So that's still going to take some time. The next board of trustees meeting, uh, I believe, is not until after the first game. If I think that, I think that's listed in David's article somewhere. Yeah, but it's after the first Michigan State football game. So don't expect to see alcohol being served September 1st against Central Michigan because that's not happening. And then uh, my second point is money is not the main priority. Sure, they're going to make a lot of money from selling alcohol and you know it's going to turn rev- revenue. It's the sporting events at Michigan State. There's no doubt about that. And don't expect the alcohol to be like dirt cheap either, right? 
there's going to be supply and demand, basic economics here. Uh, so yeah, but their money, the money is not the main priority. If money was the main priority, they'd be pushing this and getting it out as soon as possible. Yep. And getting it uh, yeah, out as soon as possible, like I said. Uh, but they're going to take their time with this and do it in the safest, most sustainable way possible. And also, they need to hire staff. They need to hire uh, people who are trained to serve alcohol because there's like a training program that needs to be done for the people that serve alcohol. So this is not something they can just snap their fingers and this is going to, you know, and there's going to be, there's it's going to take a little bit of time, basically. And uh, last point I want to make is this brings Michigan State and Mich University of Michigan as well because they're in the same state, obviously up to speed with the rest of the big 10 because all the other big 10 schools serve alcohol at their sporting events ex outside of uh, except for Nebraska who didn't serve it at their football games, but they served it at basketball last year. Uh, so yeah, this, this will bring up, uh, you know, U, U of M and MSU up to speed. Yeah. That was always something, not always, that was something that I had considered just from traveling to different stadiums in the past why MSU had never done it. So I'll be interested to see how they do implement it. I do like that they're taking their time because I think then it'll be done the right way. And like you said, sustainability is important because this is going to be if this is going to be something that sticks around, you want it to be a system that works and that you can continue to use, not just at football, but then transfer it over to basketball and like, you know, can, you know, have it be consistent throughout. Yeah, it, it does look like that they have the fan experience at the top of their mind. Otherwise, this wouldn't happen. Right. Uh, so, yeah, they have the fan experience at the top of their mind. They don't want anyone to have, like, a negative experience compared to other Big Ten venues because, oh, they didn't let me enjoy my favorite alcoholic beverage. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's overall a good thing. Uh, and, yeah, it'll make some, make some more money for the university. Yeah. Well, I think to your last point about kind of bringing us up to speed to the rest of the Big Ten, I imagine that they've looked around at the systems that other schools have put into place and can kind of tweak that, you know, and maybe learn from if there's been mistakes at other schools with implementing this, kind of learn from those yeah. mistakes and make it a streamlined process. So maybe it's okay that we're kind of coming in later because we can kind of use the up-to-date process that way. I don't know. Any other points about this? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I like your last point you brought up. Yeah, I learned from uh, other schools' mistakes about the implementation of this. So yeah, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we will see. Okay, so next up, these two articles, the last two articles that we're going to talk about together, um, you took a different spin on a on some things that have gone on recently, and I like that you kind of put them all together. So the first article that you put out was top five biggest losses for Michigan State. Um, Talk to me about how you came up with that idea, and then we'll talk more about the content of the article. Yeah, I actually have to give credit to David Harns again for this. Uh, he's been kind of, uh, I guess, prioritizing putting out content kind of in different digestible pieces. We have maybe an in-depth piece, an in-depth article. Like I I, uh, I wrote a, a spring transfer portal window article where I graded how Michigan State did in the spring transfer portal window. I looked at who they acquired, who who left uh, the program and kind of put that all together in a piece and graded them. Uh, so this was kind of a summary and I kind of repeated a lot of the same points, but just in kind of different format here. So I, yeah, I ranked the top five biggest transfer or biggest off season losses, not just transfer portal, but coaching losses, uh, maybe, maybe recruiting losses as well, but a little bit of transfer portal as well mixed in. I also did wins. We'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, losses, uh, number five, I said Jeff Petrowski, defensive end. He's now at Wisconsin. 
he was expected to be a, a decent contributor contributor along the D line this season. Starter, maybe I don't know. You know, hard to say, but uh, yeah, it, Petrowski would have been a veteran presence along uh, side of kind of a younger defensive line this season. Uh, obviously, Michigan State got a couple of good players in the transfer portal: Jared Jackson, Dre Butler, and I like the addition of Tunmiche Adele. Uh, he's young, but he's former five-star recruit, very talented. So Petrowski kind of would have, would have been a veteran presence in there, but he's now at Wisconsin, so Wisconsin, so not a huge loss. That's why it's number five, but still, I think it's pretty significant. Uh, the wide receiver position, after, obviously, we'll get to Keon Coleman, but Jeremy Bernard is also a big loss, in my opinion, not only because he left MSU, but he went to Washington, a team that Michigan State will be playing this season, and they played last season. So we'll see Bernard uh, in uh, in week three at Spartan Stadium. Uh, so, yeah, this is a big loss, especially for a wide receiver position heading into fall camp here that's a little bit inexperienced outside of Trey Mosley. Uh, so, yeah, Bernard, I thought he had a lot of talent, former four-star out of high school. Played a little bit as a true freshman. Uh, I think, yeah, he played all 12 games. So, and he, he got one start, seven receptions, 128 yards, and two scores. So, yeah, not a, again, not a super significant loss where it's where it's like, oh, this if you know, like this team's going to lose more games, you know, just because they lost him. But it's still, it's still notable. So, again, he's at Washington. We'll see him week three, assuming he's healthy. Uh, and then moving on to number three, I said losing uh, Brandon Jordan to the to the NFL, which was a big loss in my opinion. Uh, he helped in the recruiting world, uh, getting guys like By Job and Jalen Thompson committed to Michigan State. So losing him, uh, he was also involved in the recruitment of David Stone. So uh, yeah, well Stone commits August 26, so we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, he's has a couple other teams on his top six like Oklahoma, Miami, a few others as well. Uh, so. But again, like losing, okay, losing Jordan to the NFL, yeah, it's not good, but at least you're losing a guy to the NFL. I think that speaks highly of the coaching staff Tucker put together. So if there's a way to spin it into a positive manner, I guess that would be the way to do that. So yeah, I put Jordan, losing Jordan to NFL's yeah. number three. Uh, then top two, both happened on the same day. Peyton Thorne entering the transfer portal. He's now at Auburn fighting for that starting quarterback job there. Two-year starter, uh, team captain as well. So that wasn't great. Yeah, I know Spartan fans, you know, have mixed feelings about him. Uh, but overall, he was a leader. He was a two-year starter. So I think even okay, at worst, he would have been a backup quarterback this year. Maybe Noah Kim or Hauser would have beat him out. At worst, he still would have been a leader in that quarterback room. Kind of, you know, he he knows the offense probably. He's more experienced in that offense more than Kim and Hauser, I would say. So. Uh, yeah, losing Thorne, even if he wouldn't have started, that's still big. And then my number one loss is Keon Coleman. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. Uh, there's not many people out, not many wide receivers out there that have the size combination, the athleticism combination and speed combination that he does. So losing him, uh, he was arguably the best player on the MSU roster last year. And that's with Jaden Reed on the roster. Who's not, who's now on the green Bay Packers. So losing Coleman was huge. He, he's at Florida state now. And like I said, like I mentioned earlier, the receiver room is now young and inexperienced. Having Coleman in that room would have been really nice for Michigan State this year. Uh, it would have kind of turned some of those question marks into, okay, this this receiver room is pretty good. So, 
I think a big theme on all of those points was that we lost experience with all of those people that left. I mean, including Brandon Jordan too, but with the players that left, you lost experience, you lost veterans. And as Tucker is rebuilding a program, I feel like having that veteran presence is really important as you're trying to make, you know, make your own program and bring in your own guys. So I feel like that's a huge point and something maybe as all those pieces came in individually, I didn't notice the scope of it, but having them all kind of listed out there, that's a big theme that I didn't pick up on before. And that's important. My question for you would be, can you talk through the grading system that you used and kind of the grades that you gave the Spartans as the different portal windows went through? Can you talk through that? Yeah. So I just kind of looked at, this was, it was mainly personal opinion. I kind of just looked at uh, who was coming in from that window, uh, who went out of East Lansing in that window. And I kind of just, you know, see, okay, if I take this group of players going out or have this group of players coming in, which would I rather have? And that's kind of how I graded it. Like for example, the spring window, when Michigan state lost Thorne, they lost Coleman, uh, but they did acquire some decent talent. I like Sammy, like we highlighted earlier, uh, so I gave him a C minus, I believe, for that window. But in the winter window, I I believe I gave him a B, if I recall correctly. Hopefully I remember that correctly. So you yeah, did. I kind of just weighed the departures and the incoming guys. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And I like that you kind of took your personal opinion and spun it into a grading system like that because it makes it, you know, it puts it into levels that any anyone mm-hmm. that's reading this or that we're talking about it can kind of understand where things are sitting. And I think I do agree with your overall grade. Um, things weren't great for a while. So it's good that um, we kind of have that perspective. My question for you that's kind of off our topics is you we talked about Peyton Thorne. Do you think Peyton Thorne's going to get the starting job at Auburn? What's your opinion or do you have an opinion? I do. I think he will. I think he, so there are the quarterback for those that don't know, his name is Robbie Ashford. He played last season, but he's more of a, uh, he's more talented runner than uh, I guess Thorne is, but Thorne's a better passer in my opinion. So I think uh, Peyton Thorne's going to start. I think you'll see Ashford mixed in in different packages, whether they want to, yeah, you could see two quarterbacks on the field uh, this season for Auburn at, during one play. Like the Hugh freeze is their new head coach. He likes to throw curveballs at the defense. Uh, so, yeah, but I do think Thorne's going to start. It's not going to be easy for him because he's going up against Ashford, mm-hmm. who's a guy that played last year, like I mentioned, albeit under a different coaching staff at Auburn. But I do think Thorne's going to start. I just think in the back of my mind, like he would not have gone and made that move if it wouldn't have been, you know, them telling him that he was going to at least be the starter or, like you said, like be in the mix, like with their news scheme and staff and stuff so I just feel like he wouldn't have made that big of a move if it wasn't guaranteed but we shall see maybe I'll have to watch some Auburn football this fall just to check it out (laughs) that's a reason to watch more college football and so be it I'm I'm down all right with a new background we are ready to round out our episode um taking it from the top five biggest losses um for Michigan State talk to me about um what you think the top five biggest wins are yeah, I uh, had to relocate. I was seeing my king's throne now with the chair. Uh, so, yeah, top five biggest wins. Uh, I want to start at the running back position. I had number five and number four in the article I wrote, uh, both running backs. Number five, I put Jaron Mangum. Number four, I put Nathan Carter. 
put them in any order you want. I don't care. But I think both of these additions are huge for Michigan State because Michigan State lost Elijah Collins uh, in the offseason in the winter transfer portal window. So getting two running backs like Carter, like Mangum, is huge for the backfield in addition to Berger. And Michigan State also lost, uh, excuse me, Jared Broussard. Uh, he declared for the NFL draft. He's yet to find a professional home. Hopefully he does that soon. But anyway, Mangum and Carter are big additions. Mangum I like. Uh, he played really well in the spring game. Not spring game, but spring, whatever you want to call it. Spartan football kickoff was the official name. But uh, yeah, he brings more of kind of a thunder element. He's big. He's, I think, six foot two, two thirty. So uh, he can lay the lumber. He can meet opposing linebackers in the A-gap. Uh, he can meet him head on. He can run over players, opposing defenders. So I like Mangum. He brings kind of a different element than Carter and Berger in the backfield. Uh, Carter's uh, he's a speed demon. He's fast. Uh, Chase Glasser, had, Glasser for uh, our Spartans Illustrated film writer, had a really good film review on him. So definitely check that out. That's linked in this article we're talking about. Uh, so yeah, Carter and Mangum are two huge additions for the running back room. So I have them at four and five, respectively. Uh, Charles Brantley, a guy we touched on a little bit earlier, he entered the portal. A lot of people forget about this. He entered the portal the same day as Thorne and Keon. So if Brantley would have left, he eventually withdrew his name two days later. But if he would have left, that would have been an awful day for Michigan State, losing uh, three starters, Thorne, Coleman, and Brantley. But Brantley comes back. Uh, he's probably the most experienced guy in the secondary. Uh, he'll probably be a starting corner. Uh so, yeah, getting him to come back was huge for that secondary. And a pass defense that struggled past two seasons. So, hopefully, they can improve there with, with uh, bringing Brantley back. Uh, number two, I have the addition of the junior college offensive lineman, Keyshawn Blackstock. He was one of the top, top uh, junior college players by rivals in this cycle. So, Blackstock's coming to East Lansing. He's been in East Lansing, uh, played spring ball with them. So, uh, he'll rotate in on the offensive line, probably at tackle, I think tackle, uh, not 100% sure. Yeah, left tackle looks like, uh, but yeah, he can play right tackle, left tackle, play a little bit of guard as well. So uh, expect to see Black Sock. If he doesn't start, he'll be in the rotation, so he'll be on the field this season. He was a big pickup, especially for an off offensive line that had a lot of injuries last year. So getting Black Sock was good for depth. And then uh, number one, Again, we touched on him earlier, Tunmiche Adele. I said his name right. I'm 99% sure I said his name right. Comes over from Texas A&M, former five-star recruit, ton of potential. I uh, can play that DN spot. Uh, he wants to be kind of a three-down guy. He wants to play every single snap he can. Uh, he kind of has this underdog mentality, he said, heading into the season. So I like uh, Adele. Uh, I think he was the best addition in the transfer portal this whole throughout the whole offseason. That's why I have him ranked as the number one offseason win for Michigan State. Again, like I said before, all these articles will be linked um, in the description so you can check them out. Um, I think this is a great list and it pulls together some things that had happened at different times. And I like that it kind of almost creates a timeline of leading up as far as preseason stuff goes of where they're at now. Um, I like that there's some question marks in this. It's kind of exciting to kind of see where guys are going to fit. Kind of like you said, if there'll be starters, they'll be in the rotation. We'll see them at some point and kind of how all of that is going to shake out. Um, I kind of always like that, those question marks leading up to the first game of the season to see how where people are going to fit. 
Yeah, and we'll get we'll get more answers coming up this week. Fall camp starting. Yes, great absolutely. segue. So we are um, recording this on Monday, July thirty first. Camp starts what you said Thursday, Thursday, right? It does Thursday. Yep. yep. Um, so we will have tons of stuff coming out on Spartans Illustrated about fall camp. Um, and we are also posting um, positional previews going along with fall camp starting and like more preseason stuff. Um, those will be coming out in the coming weeks, um, scheduled to go out as we gear up for the first game against um, Central, Michi- Central Michigan. Um, anything else that you want to talk about that will be coming out on the site soon, Brendan? What did you say again? Anything that you want to talk about that'll be coming out on the site soon? Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited for some of these positional previews. Uh, I believe we got Ryan O'Blanis did our quarterbacks preview. I wrote the running backs preview where I went even more in depth about Mangum and Carter. I know we talked about them Mm -hmm. earlier, but wide receivers are up out there. Tight ends are out there, I believe. So we're going to get to all the positions, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, special teams. Uh, it's a lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, also, if yeah. you're a subscriber on the forums, we're going to be posting fall camp content, some clips, some pictures. Uh, I, b- I believe Ryan's going to be at at, uh, at a fall camp first practice mm-hmm. on Thursday. I'm hoping to be out there maybe eventually. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming in. Man, I'm ready for the season. And yeah, I definitely. feel like we have to talk about the uniforms. Mm. What is your opinion? Well, I want to hear your opinion first, the new uh, Shadows uniforms. So I like them. I definitely like the all black. That's super cool. Um, And I like that they'll mix and match them because I think there's some cool combinations within there. Um, I don't know. I I feel like they could be cooler. I maybe just have high expectations, but I don't know. I do like the subtle details in them, but maybe they could have gone a little more flashy. I don't know. Yeah, no. Okay, I, I I like that. I mostly agree with that. I do like the the shadows uniforms. I think there's potential to do a blackout game with crowd all wearing black. I do uh, like, like that. You see the Penn State whiteout game. I think a blackout game at Spartan Stadium at night would be pretty cool. Maybe the yeah. Central Michigan game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Michigan game. Now that 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 looks like it'll be a night game as well. So yeah, potential with the black uniforms. And I I I like the black with the green. I really Me do. Too. Yeah, that's a different combo that we don't often see, I feel like, with a lot of the uniforms. So I do – the black is my favorite out of all that, all of the things they unveiled. So I think a blackout game against Michigan would be super cool. I think you should let someone know that idea. You should share that. I'll get, I'll get Alan Haller on the phone right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Brendan. It was great to have you. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So subscribe to Spartans Illustrated. As we said, there's tons of good stuff coming out. Subscribe to um, our Spartans Illustrated YouTube channel to see these videos and anything else we have coming out as far as fall camp and any interviews in the future. You can listen to Red Cedar Radar wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, many other options. Um, And follow us on uh, Twitter or X or whatever it is now. Uh, The Red Cedar Raider page has all of our new episodes posted and um, Brendan's information will be linked down at the bottom too. So give him a follow also. So just follow us everywhere and then you'll be good and you won't miss a thing. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening. See you next week.